0: Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz orchestra leader Alan Chan. He grew up in Hong Kong, made his way to New York City, and now resides in the City of Angels. Since 2011, he's been the leader of his own orchestra, and his latest album is 2014's Shrimp Tale, and many more are going to come from him. He has spent his life as a resident in various parts of the world to raise awareness of current issues like environmental protection. He's got plenty of stories and the music to back it up. Dig this interview, my friends.
1: Hey, Alan, again, thank you for taking some time out. It's an honor to speak with you. Oh, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Right on. So I'm going to go ahead and start off here, and I know that you're real good about putting your your schedule and your dates and what's going on, but in your own words, Talk to me about what's going on with you.
2: Right now, I'm,
1: uh, oh, I started teaching
2: at the El communal College in Torrance uh, just about uh, two years ago and directing a big band. So I'm spending a little bit more time now uh, the, doing a, lot, a little bit more education. And, uh, and this semester, I started teaching the uh, Survey of Jazz class. But on the other hand, I'm also working on a commission uh, right now at this moment uh, for the Symphonic Jazz Orchestra, uh, which is established by George Duke. It's a 67-piece Symphonic Jazz uh, Orchestra. And uh, so I'm working on this piece for their premiere uh, this coming uh, May, May 2017.
1: Your latest album was 2014's Shrift Tale, correct? Yes, correct, yes. It's a great album. Talk to me a little bit about what went into this album and how you feel about it. Thank you. I would say it's quite magical. I didn't uh,
2: anticipate. A lot of the music was written between, I think, 2005, my very first jazz uh, Big Bang composition, uh, to around 2012 when I wrote Rancho Calaveras. So that was that um, roughly eight or nine-year period when I was uh, was studying at the uh, University of Southern California. And then I went on and uh, moved uh, briefly to New York. I kind of was a bi-coastal person for a while because I was studying with Jim McNeely uh, in New York City. And so I wrote a lot of tunes while I was living in LA and then part of the time in, uh, New York. And I, uh, so Shrimp Tell is sort of like, uh, the, the very, very first composition that I wrote. Uh, I was in LA at that time. And so I, I, I thought every piece, uh, every, every song in this uh, album is kind of like a little story because it's about, uh, uh, different experiences that I had. Uh, I was traveling to Beijing in 2007 and, uh, noticing that poll- very bad pollution, air pollution there. And then I wrote, uh, uh, moving to a new capital. And, uh, I was briefly living in a, uh, Altadena, uh, California, uh, in this uh, very beautiful home and, organic garden, so I decided, oh, I'll write something like uh, Rancho Calaveras. Around 2013 is when I started to put together the, the concept of an album, so we picked some of the uh, pieces that I wrote, and I decided, well, this, this narrative seems to kind of work very nicely with each other. I mean, each, each individual, it's kind of like a big uh, storybook, but then there's a little uh, you know, uh, episodes and uh, different uh, shorter stories, short stories. Kind of like a compilation of short stories. Perfect.
1: Let me ask you this. Where did you grow up? I grew up in uh,
2: Hong Kong. Um, and uh, that was still under the British, uh, you know, before 1997, of course. That was the um, turnover to China afterwards. Uh, and uh, I, uh, there is a very small, almost like a, a small jazz scene there. Uh, there was a club called the Jazz Club in Hong Kong, which I often would hang out. I was uh, studying classical uh, piano, you know, I was uh, when I was in high school, and uh, I already got into, you know, arranging a lot of the um, soundtracks or, or popular tunes for school uh, ensembles. We didn't really have a um, music program per se. I'm sort of kind of putting whoever has the skills of playing instruments and put them together. So it's kind of a weird mixture of different kinds of People and instruments, but then I figure out a way to uh, kind of arrange what, whatever that I, uh, in my processions. So I try to, try to uh, put together. Sometimes it's like uh, two flutes and, and, uh, uh, bass drum and piano, lots of pianists. And then all of a sudden there is an elbow. And so I have to figure something out. And that is sort of how I become very aware of my ear in terms of, uh, finding out my, uh, the, uh, colors and, exploring possibilities to uh, in and you it shows in the album um the uh, the color palette
1: that i i i use in this album right on well let me ask you about your childhood and about growing up up in hong kong how did you get involved with jazz initially and were there albums or performances you saw how did that happen it
2: was a very different time in it was in the 90s so i grew up in the 90s and um we were exposed to mostly in hanging out in uh, record stores. I, 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 it was like, uh, I, we have a uh, couple of major brand names like Tower Records and HMV. And I think we even have a Virgin Mega store at one point. And so there is always the, you know, the classical session and they usually, they combine usually the classical and jazz together. <laughs> so I was a classical. I was really into music bar of, uh, Gustav Mahler. And, uh, of course, all the symphonic, uh, uh, composers, Brahms, et cetera. And then I would pass by all these uh, jazz CDs, you know, I'm always curious about them. And, uh, and so I started, um, listening to, uh, just basically compilations of, of different, like, uh, classics, you know, uh, uh, Duke Ellington, uh, Louis Armstrong, and then the newer ones like Weather Reports, et cetera. And uh, and then I kind of get into the uh, the sound of it. And we have some uh, jazz venues in Hong Kong, so I was also able to kind of absorb a little bit of that. But it wasn't until I moved to the United States, uh, I studied in, at the University of Miami, where I actually uh, got really inspired, uh, especially uh, big band jazz.
1: When did you know that you were going to get involved with jazz? Was it something that you... New early on, or did it develop over time? It developed over, over time, I would say. It's kind of, I decided for some reason, I decided to go to,
2: uh, I, I attended American universities and I, I did my master's degree, doctoral degree, all in classical composition. I have uh, always the, the desire of writing uh, jazz, but I wasn't really entirely sure. Um, I kind of take, you know, jazz piano lessons. And, uh, listen to a lot of CD. I have a huge collection. A lot of, I have good friends that, um, uh, recommend me a lot of different things, uh, uh sometimes a little bit weird things like, uh, Ui Kane, uh, uh, sometimes, uh, Butch Morris, you know, <laughs> a variety of different kind of styles. And I was all really drawn, I really drawn into them. I thought I would just, my career path would be just writing classical music. That's for a very, very long time, until about, actually that is like 2005, I uh, was at USC and studying, and uh, I met Shelley Burke, um, pianist and composer, uh, he really encouraged me to, you know, dive into um, uh, writing, and uh, I, I that just, just kind of happened. Um, when I was in University of Miami, you know, I listened to, it's one of the best jazz programs in the country. I listened to a lot of big band jazz, and I also took a year, you know, of jazz arranging there. So that also kind of uh, started that um, seed a little bit, and, and it just gradually grows, and And, and 2005 was the year that all oh, just came came to life.
1: But what was it about arranging? You know, the piano is kind of a solitary, to to a good degree, instrument. <laughs> But you wanted to get involved with the big band and the arranging I mean that's a pretty big undertaking. What was so alluring about that for you?
2: I listen to a lot of you know big band albums. I feel that there's a lot of potential in big band, although you, we would think Jazz Big band is kind of a thing of the past. It's not really fashionable it's too expensive it's too uh, uh, but uh, I really uh, enjoy um, writing for this big kind of animal <laughs> and try to Explore, you know, all these little, little things that we have not yet explored. There's a lot of expressions, both. Of course, there were uh, composers that I listened to, like uh, Maria Schneider uh, and uh, Jim Haley and so forth. There's still a lot to do. We can do a lot of things of it. So that really is what I uh, drives me to kind of dive into writing for Big Band. I really enjoy working with a lot of people. <laughs> I often tell uh, my students that I'm not really good at, uh, you know, remembering names and so forth. But every show, you know, we put a big band together. There's some uh, regular members and sometimes we have uh, substitutes. But when I listen to each individual perform, I immediately know who they are. Like I can, like I finally have a context and connect with uh, many musicians all at the same time. So it was really, uh, to me, it's a, it's a joy.
1: So the orchestra comes together in 2011. Talk to me about the beginnings and the evolution to today. Uh, as you know, I
2: I was in New York a lot at that time. I was attending the BMI Jazz Composers Workshop, and uh, that usually takes me um usually about two or three weeks, and every other month that I would basically travel to to New York, and I was just freelancers and and doing a lot of copying jobs and etc. Uh, I decided maybe I would start something in L.A. because I do have a lot of friends who is in the big band scene. Uh, I then attended and I I talked to a few people and said, well, yes, let's do it. And I curate a concert series at a church in West L.A. And that's where we find our first venue is to to do it uh, there. We have a kind of a boutique concert series. And so we put the the band together in May 2011 and kind of test it out and see see what happens. And that's how, how we began.
1: Over time, you have done some work for motion pictures and TV shows, and you guys have had a lot of action. Talk to me a little bit about the projects you've worked on.
2: There are, um,
1: uh, of course,
2: independent uh, films uh, that I have done when I was um, mostly around the time when I was at USC. Uh, and then... Um, uh, right now, I am mostly doing, uh, of course, focusing on my uh, big band and working and collaborating with uh, soloists, uh, especially, um, uh, I started a project called Camel Walk um, just uh, this year uh, and potentially also with a uh, 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 the Chinese lute player, Ming Xiaofeng, in New York City. Uh, I am always interested in, of course, uh, collaborating with uh, film uh, makers as well as poets. Um, I would have to say I actually have done a lot more uh, collaboration with um, uh, artists uh, than say uh, in the movie industry. Uh, I really uh, interested in, of course, the the inspiration coming from poetry and literature, and so uh, you 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 may see that one two of my songs from the Shrimp tell um, Monte Albano and Solita is actually um, narrate narrations, which is kind of unusual for big band, but I. I kind of said, well, maybe we can try something different, and this is kind of a neat. Uh, I think I think that was a really neat uh, project. We we started that, you know, um, uh, the band, of course, at the, uh, first at the church, and then about 2012, we uh, start um, performing outside, uh, uh, especially um, uh, jazz jazz clubs around town, including Typhoon and Vitello's and uh, Catalina. Uh, it's very sad that actually a typhoon, uh, just closed the, their doors this week. <laughs> um, so it's a great loss to the big band scene, but I think the, uh, I feel very thankful to the people who have been supporting my music in the last couple of years.
1: So let me ask you this. You've been a resident around the world in various areas and you like to raise the awareness for issues like environmental protection. Talk to me about where you've lived and what has made you want to be environmentally conscious.
2: I lived in Los Angeles. Uh, I kind of slowly, uh, of course, uh, learning about uh, climate change and and all that uh, through the media, but also um, I have friends, uh, particularly this friend who actually the owner of Rancho Calaveras, uh, he has a solar, uh, service, uh, um, company. And so he put on panels and provide, you know, electricity and hot water, etc. And I'm learning a lot more about that part, how to, you know, conserve energy. I have to say, I'm still driving my very, very old Camry <laughs> at the moment, uh, but I'm really uh, interested to, you know, move to perhaps a electric vehicle in, in in the future. I have to say, I grew up in the urban area. So I, I'm in firsthand, you know, knowing the, uh, the effect of air pollution. Also, you know, both in Hong Kong and especially Hong Kong, because uh Hong Kong is very highly developed uh, commercial city, perhaps in the nineties or the the last uh six seven years, there is also pollution coming from China, basically air blowing from factories uh right at us. so we realize you know that there is a lot we we have to do um and sometimes uh my experience uh, that uh uh, in this case, in Beijing, uh, that really inspires me to to write something, and I kind of like the uh, the idea a little bit unexpected. But uh, I brought in a little bit of this um, kind of a sound of ancient China. We don't really know how ancient Chinese music sounds like, but um, but there are some traits that I found, uh, for example, in Japanese um, uh, court uh, music, imperial court music. That, uh, so you hear that really shimmering uh, sound uh, from the piccolo and flutes, and the kind of these two melodies kind of echoing each other. This is a very, um, to me, a be- sound of very ancient. So I thought I felt like I kind of juxtaposed that idea with something really bombastic, uh, groove-based uh, big band jazz, and so that's how the tune was put together.
1: You've won awards over, over your life. You were the winner of the 2011 r International Jazz Competition. You've gotten fellowships from ASCAP, and you've been hired to your, – your works have been performed by other outfits. What surprised you the most? Not your favorite commission or your favorite award, but what one really kind of threw you off guard?
2: That's a very good question. I hmm. would have to say the George Duke commission was a real surprise. Of course, I, I, uh, uh, symphonic jazz orchestra has a uh, has quite of a, a panel of um, musicians that judge this competition, including Bob Minzer, Billy Charles, um, and uh, Peter Erskine, etc. Um, and uh, I felt that it was really a recognition to me because I, I wasn't, uh, you know, I, I tried my own way of writing big band jazz. Uh, i wasn 't really sure how other people feel about it, but um when I was given this commission i was uh, really uh, happy that i my, what i 've been trying to do uh was really um uh was recognized by 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 the judges um, at easy as well, r easy actually uh was my very first um Performance of my music outside of, of the U.S. and uh, it was in Day in Netherlands, and they have this jazz festival, which my piece was uh, performed, and they were judged by a panel. Um, and And so I was really uh, surprised that that piece was actually uh, inspired by the uh, my life. Uh, my uh, in New York, I have a little foldable bicycle that I keep. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I've been, you know, while I was living in New York, I, I really take advantage of the bicycle. So you hear that clicking sound, ticker, 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 ticker in the piece and that's really is the uh, from the bicycle sound yeah. and uh, have a little bit of a positive tone and I think the audience also really liked the piece and so I was uh, really thrilled uh, that I received that uh, award.
1: Right on. Well, speaking of getting around, you have roots here in Kansas City. Talk to me about your time at UMKC, Bobby Watson and kind of your recollection of your time in Kansas City.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> um, I um, actually came and studied. That was my master's degree. And I also have to say I did a lot of things that I did not expect that I would be doing. Of course, I studied with uh, Chen Yi. She is the uh, Chinese-American uh, composer. At that time, I was really trying to see what I can do as a composer, maybe bringing in different cultures together in my music uh, and so I decided to come and study, uh, and, uh, I have no idea. I ended up, you know, of course, uh, exploring a lot of exciting, uh, things happening in, uh, at uh, that time in Kansas City, including attending, um, my, uh, first, uh, burlesque show, uh, <laughs> which is in 2000, I, think, I think it was 2004. And that was just not a, what we think about burlesque being street teasing, but, uh, actually it was a very, very artsy kind of form of, um, uh, burlesque at that time. Uh, a lot of the cultural, um, fashion designers and artists came to this one-time show in, the, um, I think it was Kansas City, Kansas, just right at the border of state line. Yeah. Um, not far from the, the industrial district. And I was just eyed open to see, you know, how, you know, how creative we can get. I mean, there's humor, there is GPs, but there is also fashions and a lot of interesting um little skits and stories. And uh, I also studied uh, gamelan, Balinese gamelan music while I was in Kansas City. And that was really also a uh, eye-opening experience, especially knowing that you can actually, you know, learn everything uh, a, a three three-minute melody all by ear without any reading any music. You just basically learn it from a teacher. The teacher tells you. There's an oral tradition kind of um, way of uh, communicating in this kind of form of music. And in general, of course, uh, gamelan is also orchestral music, so that also. Kind of reinforce my um, my uh, understanding of uh, how to handle a, a large ensemble such as a big band.
1: Let me ask you this: you know, the one thing about Kansas City is we have 18th and Vine and have a lot of history. So I'm going to ask you this: if you could get into a time machine and go see a show, any show anywhere, where would you go? Who would you want to see? I would totally go to uh, – if I can see, you know, uh, Count Basie in
2: his early times in, in Kansas City, I would totally want to go, go to that, you know. Uh, I know that there's a jazz district, they they revitalized it at that time, and I, I, I would very much like to, you know, try uh, – not only going to it there to see jazz but also you know the barbecues nearby oh yeah <laughs> um, and uh, that that's always uh I uh, lose they're very different time though i can imagine sometimes seeing all these older buildings and what it was like you know back that at uh, those days and uh, probably a lot
1: more traffic and <laughs> a lot more uh, people at that time absolutely without a doubt so let me ask you this. Everybody has a version of who you are, your family, your friends, the fans you play for. But who do you think you are? When you wake up and face the world, who are you? I
2: just want to be, you know, absorbing everything, exciting things happening around me and try to reflect on them and putting them on music paper. <laughs> That's what I was, always wanted to do. I've been to, uh, of course, many other cities, but also in uh, the presidencies, residencies, uh, actually uh, recently, I was in a, uh, Denali a National Park in uh, Alaska, and uh, a very, very different world, I have to say, and um, I, uh, it was the summertime as well, so the day was very, very long. Uh, I have to kind of claw on my blind when I go to, to, to sleep, but uh, when I wake up, you know, it's just like this is a really magical world, and I really want to go out there, uh, hike, and absorb and smell and feel and see what's going on and I will come back to my little desk and try to reflect on that and try to uh, create um, a musical piece that will perhaps inspire people to go out and um, uh, absorb our our surroundings. Final question for you, why do you love jazz? It is the freedom really, that's the very first thing I think the freedom, the boldness, um, the hope and also, it's just a lot of, it brings in a lot of people together. If you think about jazz, the evolution of jazz, it's always been um, absorbing a lot of different cultures, Latin jazz, Brazilian jazz, uh, even European now really dig into jazz and Japanese. Is, and I think some very soon China will be one of those places where we'll see a lot of growth in People wanting to listen and yearning for this uh, form because, you know, it's really uh, shows, you know, the, the freedom of expression through improvisation, but also just how diverse and how, uh, how difficult to define what jazz is, as you know. And, but it's, you know, everybody can come in in different directions and try to understand in a different angle. And I think that's the openness of jazz is why I think it's most amazing.
1: That's a great way to kind of wrap everything up. Alan. Thank you for taking some time out and giving me your story and for your music. Thank you so much, Joe. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in New York, Kansas City, L.A., and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Alan for his time and his stories. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store or visit neonjazz at youtube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends.
1: Neon Jazz.